Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome to episode 19 of VAR at the Bar. My name is Chris, and who am I with today? I'm Dan. I'm Ant. How are you two then? Doing all right, thank you. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, not too bad. You, Ant? Yeah, I'm all right. Same shit, different day, all that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the best way of putting it, to be honest, mate. I can tell you if it's morning, afternoon, evening, Friday, Saturday. It's all just one, <laughs> one to me. A little bit of Groundhog Day, isn't it? <laughs> Just a bit. Right then, this episode we've got my good, bad, obscure top five funniest team names and uh, top ten um, flops between 2000 to 2009 Premier League players, which should include some interesting ones. Um, we've got Warnock Watch, and who's leading that one today? Yep, I'll be helping you out with that. Um, and the fancy football. And my quiz, which is the between the top two, isn't it, at the moment? Well, it's between top and middle of the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit of a cushion. <laughs> right, before we get on to that, um, did any of you hear about, um, obviously everyone's been doing the squads for the, your, uh, the Champions League and the Europa Leagues, and did you hear about Ajax's little admin mistake? No. Oh, they, they left someone that? off, didn't they? I can't think who it was. Oh, is it um, Halle? Yeah, yeah the, their new yeah. signing. Only just their new signing. So, at the moment, he's ineligible to play. Brilliant. <laughs> is that part of the quiz? Can I have a point for that? I'll <laughs> <laughs> you point one. How's that? Uh, I bet nothing. Right then, like I, like I said, we'll start with uh, good, bad, obscure. My pick is someone you probably will know. He is Antonio Cassano. Yep. Do you know it? Dan? I'm not sure that I do, if I'm honest. Really? Okay. By his own admission, he calls himself a problematic guy. He was born into poverty in Bari, where he was raised by his mum after his dad unfortunately abandoned him. He played football on the streets in a tough neighbourhood um, from a young age for earning a place in Bari's youth setup. 
He was promoted to the Bari first team in 1999, where they nicknamed him Al Piki de Bari, the kid from Bari. And his own performance and a move to Fabio Capello's Roma for approximately 30 million at the young age of 19. So off he went to Roma. And a fascinating fact for you is that he stayed with uh, Francesco Totti's parents at that time. And in his first season there, he bagged five goals, winning Serie A's Young Player of the Year. Yet, unfortunately, he got himself in a lot of hot water quite regularly during his time there. He feuded quite a lot with Capello for being dropped after flashing the horns at the referee, after getting sent off in a 4-1 Coppa Italia defeat to AC Milan. He's also had very public bust-ups with Capello after being left out in a practice match. From From then on, the pair have been seen frequently telling each other to F off. Obviously, Capello left and had a new manager, Luigi Donari. He took a hardline approach, just omitting Cassano totally from the squad. And Bruno Conti brought him back to the fold, even handing him the captain's armband. That left Cassano quite empowered um, at Roma. Um, when Luciano Spatitelli was put in charge, he was an ex-Udinese uh, manager in 2005, Cassano told him, you're not taking coaching these useless players you had at Udinese, this isn't your house, this is my house. Sounds a lovely guy, doesn't it? Anyway, so uh, he started falling out with everyone throughout that season. He was locked in a battle with the club over the renewal of his contract. He also turned on his strike partner, Francesco Totti, in a row over fees the pair got for um, appearing in a TV show. Um, the play, playmaker would then go to Spain. He actually joined Real Madrid in January 2006 for only £5 million. Spent two seasons there uh, between 2006 and 2008 in the Spanish capital. He only made 29 appearances, scoring four goals. He played, played along, alongside the likes of Raul, Zidane, Beckham to try and motivate him but unfortunately, his playboy lifestyle prevailed and ultimately defined his time at Madrid. Endless parties, poor eating habits, earning him the name Al Godito, in English, Little Fatty. He, he arrived overweight. The cause for this was endless tubs of hazelnut-flavoured spread, Nutella. Nutella was one of the sponsors of the club and each month they used to give five kilos of the product he was told in an interview. Uh, he In seven months, I gave 14 kilos. I ate Nutella directly from the bottle and didn't care. I was ashamed. Cassano said he made friends with one of the waiters. His job was to bring me three or four croissants after I had sex. He would bring the croissants to the stairs, I'll bring the girl and we would make, make a trade. He took the girl and I stuffed myself with croissants. Sex plus food, the perfect night. Sano claims he slept with between 600 and 700 women before he turned 25 and insisted he typically enjoyed a great match after intercourse. Things went bad to worse. Fabio Capello, Cassano's old mate, joined, um, joined as manager. Recording one particular flashpoint away at Tarragonda, 
Cassano said, he made me and Ronaldo warm up the whole of the second half without putting us on. In the locker, locker room, I told him, you piece of shit, you're more fake than Monopoly money. The disrespect he showed Capello earned him a suspension. Around this time, Capello coined the, the term Cassandra, which translates as doing a Cassano. The player said he would walk, walk all the way back to, to Roma again to play for them, even suggesting he was willing to bury the hatchet with Totti and the club's hierarchy. Cassano said, I lost my mind. And when you disrespect, disrespect Capello, he cuts you out. He gave me chance after chance. He, d- he did so much for me, but I did precious little back. He was eventually stripped off to Sampdoria, initially on loan. Um, the, odd, the odd show of anger, emotion and petulance aside, Cassano, by his standards, was well behaved in the three years there. In keeping with the theme, things ended in a sour note. Cassano became involved in a row with the president after refusing to attend a war presentation night. Um, the president tried to have the player's contract terminated for gross misconduct, but in tribunal ruled that this pay should be slashed by half instead. So in 2010, Cassano joined AC Milan. He appeared as a substitute in a 3-2 win away at Roma. He complained of feeling unwell on the team bus from the, the airport. He was dizzy and struggling to speak. He actually suffered a stroke. After heart surgery and six months on the sidelines, he then had spells at Inter Milan, Parma, Sampdoria and Verona, followed by Cassano's announcement of his retirement. He did actually, before he he did retire in September 2017, change his mind about retiring five times. So he announced it and then, then changed his mind. He spent um, 17 days at Verona before then deciding to hang up his boots. And that is the story of Cassano for you. Wow. Interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the Nutella story. Yeah, I know. Great sponsor. I'm surprised he's not done any adverts for him. Do you reckon Ronaldo was also eating it out of the jar at Mara Madrid? Definitely what is now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> So, our top five funny football names. As we always do with these, how did you find it? An interesting read, trying to find some? Yeah, I had a bit of a giggle doing this. Yeah. 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 Some, something, funny ones, yeah. something nice and light-hearted. Um, I've not ranked them in one to five, so no, just yeah. Um, so I'll start with Ant if that's okay, mate. Do you want to do your five? Are we doing all five together? Um, we could go do one each if you want. Yeah, go go around with one each then. All right, it's only because I've written a little bit about them. Um, oh, yeah, one. okay, go on then. No uh, so my first one is Deportivo Moron. <laughs> Okay. Um, and the only thing I wrote about this really was they're, they're an Argentinian team 
But I just like the fact that, you know, all the players are morons, the supporters are morons, the managers are moron. <laughs> <laughs> it just tickled me a little bit. Yeah, it's good when you put it like but, that. <laughs> I, I don't know any more about them than that, to be honest. No, that's great. No, that's a good start there, mate. Uh, Dan? All right, I'll give you the my first one. It's uh, the Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs. <laughs> I've got them on my list. <laughs> yeah, one of the founding members of the Ghanaian Football League. Oh, brilliant. Were they all dwarfs? No. Ah, oh, no. Right, my first one I got is Botswana Meat Commission. <laughs> I just think it's just a funny name. It's founded, set up in 1969. They've actually got a 25,000 seater stadium, which I was quite surprised about. But that's my uh, my first one. Uh, and we'll be on number two. Okay. Uh, so I've gone with Young Boys Burn. That's on my one. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favourites, that. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you've named a kid, named Team Young Boys and then you're saying you're going to set fire to them is a bit sinister. <laughs> probably the most so. well-known one on my list. Yeah, yeah. But also yeah, Coventry, there's so many there's so many puns around it, isn't there? When the English teams go and play them in Europe, <laughs> they've, they've spanked Young Boys and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go on then, Dan. Your second one. Right, I found a team that's called miscellaneous oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I came across that one yeah that's not yeah, my based in Botswana um, <laughs> and they're currently bottom of the league so <laughs> oh, yeah, they're miscellaneous <laughs> um, I've got another one from Botswana Golden Bush <laughs> um, I just thought that was a, a very good one I mean they've got some great names going around in that sounds like a Bond, Bond girl that does <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Secret yeah. agent from Botswana. <laughs> In years gone by, bush. yeah. <laughs> what have you got for your third one? I've gone Get Fart, Norwegian <laughs> team. Um, based in, they're generally known as Fart for short. And even better <laughs> is their ground is known as the Fart Barna. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, for the ground. Uh, what about you, Dan? Uh, I've got a team called Seaman Padang. Yeah, I've got them as well. They were my special mention. Yeah, you got, you got to love that one. Got anything else on that one? No, sorry, just no. the Indonesian yeah. team. I don't know anything about them. They're owned yeah. by a cement company of the same name. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is Union of... In- Invincible Eleven and Majestic Sports Association. Is that the one that George Ware used to play for? It is indeed, yeah. Uh, started in 1986. All right, what have you got for your number four? I've got Deportivo Wanka, or Wanka, <laughs> as I think it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> they're Peruvian, and they're known after the, they're named after the local Wankers population, which I'm sure is Wankers. Wankers <laughs> sounds better for us. Um, found a team called Always Ready, <laughs> the um, the reigning champions of Bolivia. Oh, wow! Well, they must be always ready if they're going, if they're reigning champions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, you, you've said the last two. I had um, Young Boys and Simon Padang. 
So you're number five, and if you've got one. Well, I had Dan's mysterious Eberwissa Dwarfs. Okay, Dan. Um, FC Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're ah, based in uh, the home city, the hometown of Santa Claus, and uh, I read that um, they tried to make up a story that Santa once played football there, and that's how the football club was formed. But it was all false. Uh, <laughs> They've been uh, in and out of solvency, but they've actually entered the team for the 2021 season. So the, the team's restarting again this year, which is quite interesting. Should be everyone's second or third team then, shouldn't they? Yeah. They want to get presents. They've Christmas. had friendlies against Crystal Palace and West Ham in the past, uh, in recent years as well. So they're a well-known team. It's quite a novelty playing them, I think it is. Missed them out then of the friendly... Um... Well, friendlies then. That could have been a perfect one for a special mention then. <laughs> From our last episode. Righty-o. Um, moving on swiftly then. Have we got anything on uh, Warnock Watch there, Dan? Yes. So I'll just uh, bring us all up to date. So since we were last with you, uh, they drew nil-nil with top of the table Norwich. Uh, but Norwich were down to 10 men. I think Ben Deer was sent off after about 67 minutes, but Borough just couldn't find a way through, so they had to settle for a nil-nil draw. And in the next fixture, they lost 4-1 at home to Brentford, which uh, they always knew it was going to be a tough game. Brentford, one of the top teams in the division, but yeah, letting, uh, letting a few goals in that one. So at the minute, they've only actually got one win in the last six league games, but despite that, they're still seventh in the league table. So it just goes to show you that in that division, everyone's taking points off each other. And Borough are still in with a shout. They're five points off the playoff places as things stand. And um, they probably fancy the chances of catching the managerless Bournemouth and Reading, not far, not too far above them. Next game, they're against Derby County. And then after that, they play Huddersfield, Reading, Bristol City, Cardiff and Coventry. So they'll be hoping to pick up a few points and get back on track with that run of fixtures. And interesting as well is um, Patrick Roberts was on loan at Middlesbrough for Man City. And he's now gone on loan to Derby instead. And Middlesbrough are playing Derby in the next game. So I think uh, Roberts is going to have a point to prove in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Rooney as well. Yeah. This would be an interesting one. Well done. What do you reckon um, to Bournemouth then, having Harry Redknapp in charge of picking the next manager? Is that his role? Have you mentioned in Bournemouth? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange role for him to be brought in to to do that. <laughs> it's like they don't trust yeah. themselves to pick a manager. <laughs> no. I, I heard that um, they've interviewed or are interviewing David Wagner for the job. Oh, wow. OK. That would be a solid... Um, so I didn't do quite Could so well at Shell. Uh, yeah, I don't think Jonathan Woodgate will get the job full time because he's not that experienced yeah. and he didn't do particularly well at Middlesbrough, did he? No, no. What about John Terry? Well, the, the jury's out on him because he's not managed anyone. <laughs> yeah, he's on the shortlist though, apparently. Yeah, he could be good, he could be rubbish. You just don't know, do you, with him? So anything else from... Uh... Mr. Warnock at all there, Dan? Or? Yeah, so um, yeah, just a, a few more updates. There's a bit of activity um, on transfer deadline day. They brought in Nathaniel Mendes-Lang on a short-term deal. That was after his contract was terminated in Cardiff back in September. So 
just to bolster numbers. Then also Yannick Balassi joined on loan for Everton and Niskens Cabano joined on loan from Fulham. And I uh, saw a quote from Warnock. He was talking to the press and he said that his favourite Barry Malino song is Coca Cabana. So he wants the journalists to ask the supporters to get a song for Cabano. He said, surely they can come up with some kind of wording on that. And he looks forward to listening to some of them. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's writing the songs for the fans to chant now as well. Uh, and then ahead of the upcoming match against Derby, he was asked about fa- asked about facing Wayne Rooney. And specifically, he was asked if he looks out for matches against rookie managers. And Warnock responded, I don't care who the manager is. The only thing I look out for is who the referee is. That's half of the battle these days. Uh, <coughs> Mike Dean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> Unfortunately, he's probably got a small point there as well. <laughs> I'm quite, it, it chuckles me that he's gone back to Mendes Lang as well. I think he was with him at Cardiff, so... Yeah. Obviously, going with someone he knows, a pacey winner. But no, that's good. Is that is that everything there, Dan? Yeah, that's all I've got for this week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll bring you some yeah. more updates as and when he uh, says something yeah. hilarious in the press again. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for that. I can't believe there's still seventh though. I think that's like the fourth Warnock watch we've had on the trot now, where he's actually still plays seventh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right then. So the next, this next part of the episode is top 10 flops from 2000 to 2009. Obviously, this is the second part. We did the 90s one a couple of episodes ago. But how did you find this one then, guys? I'm sure it's a bit more difficult. More to choose from this time. Yeah, definitely. A lot more, a lot more wasted money back in the early noughties. <laughs> Right then, so we'll go from number 10. And as I started with Ant on the top five, I'll go with you then, please, Dan. Yeah, yeah, not at all. So my number 10, I've gone for Augustin Delgado. So yeah, he joined Southampton in 2002 and uh, unfortunately he had a string of injuries. And he was barely able to train, let alone turn out for the club. And I think he only made a single appearance in that first season. But he then went to the World Cup with Ecuador and started all of their games, which uh, left a bad taste in the mouth of the fans at Southampton and manager Gordon Strachan. Uh, these problems persisted where he, he barely played for Southampton over the course of three years. He only made 11 appearances in total and scored one goal for the club. That was after his £5.2 million transfer. Strachan was asked in the media about Delgado and his future at the club. And he he responded, I've got more important things to worry about than Augustin Delgado. For example, this yoghurt I've got expires today. I'm more worried about that than I am Augustin Delgado. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And eventually um, he left the club for free. Um, He was prolific in Ecuador, his native country, and he had a good goal-scoring record at international level as well. Uh, In total, he scored 31 goals in 71 appearances, but he just didn't really seem interested in moving to England, to be honest. So, a bit of a shame for Southampton. Totally agree with that one. I said, I can't say I remember too much about him, to be honest. Yeah. Which probably says it all, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, and what's your numero 10? I've gone with Savio at West Ham. Okay, yeah. So they sold Craig Bellamy to Man City for 14 million and decided to replace him with the next best talent, apparently, which was a Ugandan-born German called Savio Nisereko, who had been player of the tournament at the under-19 Euros. And they paid nine million for him from Brescia. Uh, and he just failed to live up to Premier League football. He just he was too it was too physical for him. He was quite sort of slight in his in his stature. And he was sold to Fiorentina just ten league games and six months later for three million. A huge loss. Wow. And it was later an investigation, uh, subject of an internal investigation at West Ham. Um, I couldn't find any details as to whether this investigation actually ever concluded. But Gianfranco Zola, uh, Gianluca Nani, Scott Duxbury were all involved in the deal. And funnily enough, they all ended up at Watford. Make that <laughs> what you will. Um, after his West Ham debacle, he drifted through a number of goalless loan spells, personal issues. 2012, he reportedly spent time in a Thai prison for faking his own kidnapping. Wow. He'd scored a trio of goals before joining West Ham and it took him until 2013-2014 season, 10 clubs later, to net again. Are you sure yeah. that shouldn't be on the good, bad, obscure? Well, I did think that actually. I was just right. I was like, if, if this misses out my top 10, I'm going to stick on good, the bad, the obscure. <laughs> wow. How did, he, how did he earn that £9 million price tag? Well, that's why there was an investigation, I think. Mm. I think there's some dodgy dealings going on. Yeah, I don't think that would be the the only one we'll probably hear. <laughs> I mean, he, he, scored, he scored three goals in twenty two games for Brescia. That does more than nine million pounds, no matter how good a tournament you have in it. No. Under nineteen euros. No, not yeah. at all. That's mad, isn't it? Right, yeah. My turn is Alberto Aquilani, Liverpool um, signing. Yeah, I've put him uh, a little that, bit higher up on my list. Really? Okay. Are, you sure not, are we in the right decade here? 2009, mate. Oh, was he? Okay, fair enough. So yeah. I thought he came later for some reason. No, no. what number I is he on your list now? <laughs> I've put him at number five on my list. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait then. And um, on to five, and that's fine. What have you got for no, number nine then, Dan? Oh, number nine, I've gone for... Afonso Alves. He's my number three. Oof. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll leave that one then. And your number nine? Bosco Balaban. Oh, yeah, I've considered him. Oh, he's my number two. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey, he's high. Okay, right, we'll leave him then. Right then, well, we're firing. We're going really well here, aren't we? Um, <laughs> my number nine is Joe. Has anyone got Joe? No. No. Okay, so he's bought by Man City at the time for a club record of 19 mil in 2008 as one of Mark Hughes's big signings. He was only 21 at the time. Previously, Joe scored 44 goals in 77 games um, for CSK Moscow. Hughes felt that he, he needed regular games to adjust to the physiality of the Premier League. 
but that but he still couldn't guarantee him an actual start, um, starting spot, partly due to the arrival of Craig Bellamy. Um, over three seasons, he only scored four goals for Man City in 21 appearances. And only one of those was actually in the Premier League. During the three-year spell, he went off on loan to Everton for a total of a year and a half. He made 27 appearances, then scoring five goals. However, a breach of conduct with Joe returning to Brazil for Christmas angered um, the Everton manager at the time, David Moyes, that much that he was sent back to Man City. Joe then went back, then went on loan to Galatasaray and then actually went to Internacional permanently after that. Salt Campbell to Peter Crouch. Only to Ilano. Now Robinho. And now Joe running in behind and onside. Joe, can he finish? He certainly can. And he took it superbly. Right, Joe, number eight, please, Dan. OK, number eight, I've got Andrei Shevchenko. Numero uno. All right. Was he on yours, Ant? Yeah, he's my number two. Yeah, OK, we'll, we'll wait with that one then. We will get to do one of yours in a minute, Dan. Just, uh... <laughs> OK, Ant, what's your number eight? Uh, Sergi Rebrov. He's my number three. <laughs> my number seven. At least we all got them in the list, though. This is the, the main thing. I'm I'll start anyone... dipping into my special mentions in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so my number eight, Yuzan Tosic. Anyone heard of him? Man United? He probably wouldn't have because he didn't play much. <laughs> He joined on January 2009. He was meant to have been a dual signing with Adam Lalazek um, from Partizan Belgrade. Um, they're, they're both going for a total of £9 million. Lalazek actually um, was meant to have joined at the end of that season. However, um, Man United didn't bother taking them up on the offer and just had Toshik instead. Uh, Lazek actually went on to play for Roma, Inter, Fiorentina and Torino and is currently at Basistas in Turkey. Um, Toshek only played 79 minutes for Man United in five sub-appearances, realising he wasn't quite to the standard of the rest of the Man United team. He said in an interview... I was put straight into the first team squad and the levels were so high, it felt like another sport. It was very heavy for for me in the first weeks in Manchester. The ball moved so quickly in training. The quality was top, top level. Nobody lost the ball except me. I was trying my best, but it wasn't enough. That wasn't the football I knew. I thought I could play with Man United, but there was a reason. But the reason was that I was not on their level. These players lived the, the game of football. Giggs was 36, Scholes was 34. They trained at 200%. They lived, breathed football 24 hours of a day. It was a big surprise to me to see them do this. A big lesson. They were on the bikes before training and in the gym after. So he played the 79 minutes, then was dutifully loaned out almost straight away to Cologne. 
and then sold to CSK Moscow the following season. So, yeah, that's why I put him at my number eight. Uh, number seven. Steve Marley at number seven. Oh, I've got him at number six. So, yeah, right. go on then, mate. So he was signed for eleven and a half million from um, Marseille, I believe, um, breaking the club's transfer record in the process. And he had a fairly decent record up to that point at French clubs like Red Star and Lyon, Marseille. Um, and he was signed by Jean Tigana after one after a decent season, League One, um, with Lyon. Sorry, he came from Lyon. Sorry. And then over the course of the next three Premier League campaigns, he racked up 55 appearances and he only scored 11 goals. So that's about a million a goal. Fulham owner Mohamed Al-Fayed was so angry at the money Tigana had spent on Marley that he took him to court, uh, claiming that the manager had knowingly overpaid for the Frenchman. I won't let a crook destroy Fulham, he said at the time. And apparently he's, he reckons that Marley was only worth about 7 million and that because Tigana had links with Leon and was once Marley's manager that he was on the take. Um, but it got thrown out of court. And Marley was then released from Fulham in 2005. Yeah, that's more or less what I got. I got that it was Fulham's first year in the Premiership and they bought a certain Edwin van der Sar as well. Marley's goal-scoring averages weren't particularly spectacular at the clubs he was at before, like Ant said. One in four at Auxerre, one in three at Lyon. He then, in his first season, he was outscored by Barry Hales. He's apparently on, at that time, 30 grand a week as well. And then he just went off to Wolfsburg in 2005. Inamoto had been on the pitch for less than a minute when he sent Steve Marley through to make it 2-0 in the second half for the French striker's fourth goal of the European campaign. Right then, so my seven is Corrado Grabby from Blackburn. That's my number six. Is it? Okay, cool. I'll, I'll start off, and if you've got anything to add on, mate. Yep. Um, Grabby joined Blackburn from um, Serie B Tarana in June 2001 for 6.75 million. He had a great season the season before with Tarana, scoring 20 times in 34 appearances. This was a signing under Graham Souness, shock. Uh, he called him God before, when, when he signed him. Um, apparently, Luciano Moggi of Juventus had previously tried to pressure Grabby to change his agent and join the GEA World Agency, but with no success. So because he didn't join that, it made it very difficult for him to actually play football in Italy. And that's, I think, the reason why I went to Blackburn. Um, comments were made that Grabby was lightweight, not particularly quick, a bit timid and easily um, intimidated. He spent three seasons there, scoring just two goals in 30 games. And then he went back on loan to Serie B Messina before moving permanently to Ancona. You got anything else to add there, Dan? Uh, yeah, apparently um, he did have that uh, one good season at um, Tanana, where he scored uh, 20 goals in a season to get them promoted into Serie A. Uh, but 
Sunis apparently took a punt on him because he um, he thought he must be a good player because he played for the Juventus youth team. That was his <laughs> thinking at the time, apparently. So another Graham Sunis masterstroke there. Apparently, though, when he started in the Premier League, he was a bit unlucky. He hit the woodwork several times. And um, there's a game against Man United where he dispossessed Bartes and then lofted the ball into the empty net from 25 yards. Uh, but the goal was ruled out for a foul on Bartes, which was very, very harsh. The goal should have stood, really. Um, it took him seven games to score, but then he didn't get many goals after that. He also accidentally, in an interview after a game, he said Blackpool instead of Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently he only made one friend while he was at Blackburn, and that was two guy. He didn't have any <laughs> other friends in the whole squad. So I think I think even the Blackburn fans just felt sorry for him. He he wasn't really ever cut out to be a Premier League player, and um, I don't think you could be angry at the player for that. He just he wasn't the right person at the right club. It was just an yeah. all round bad move that was. Yeah, Graham Sooner special. Oh yeah, it sure was, wasn't it? So that he was your number six then, Dan. Am I right? Yes, yes, it was. So that's nice and nice and easy then to Ant. Have you had your number six yet? No, it's uh, Harry Kuehl. Oh, okay. So obviously signed for Liverpool for five million following Leeds' financial problems. And over five injury-ravaged seasons, he cost Liverpool nearly £160,000 a game. Uh, He limped off in the Carling Cup and Champions League finals in 05, FA Cup final... And the FA Cup final 06. He came on in the Champions League final 07, despite being injured for most of the season. So he wasn't really fit. Um, and he scored he'd, he'd scored 45 goals in 181 for Leeds, including one of the best strikes that I've ever seen against Villa. I don't remember it. Pretty much from the halfway line. Yeah. And yet he managed 12 in 93 for Liverpool. And I found a quote from the Evening Standard um, when it was announced he was going to leave Liverpool. Uh, Kuehl costs more than Channel 5 pay for an episode of Neighbours and only lasts half as long. <laughs> Which pretty much sums him up for Liverpool, to be honest, because he was a massive disappointment. Crouches inside the penalty area. There's Kuehl! That's a beauty! And that wins the derby for Liverpool. Harry Kuehl, whose first ever Liverpool goal was against Everton. Comes up with a corker to make it 3-1. Right then, my number six was actually Steve Marley, which we've just spoken about. So when you're ready there, Dan, number five. Uh, my number five's Alberto Aquilani. OK, do you want to speak about him then, mate? Yeah, so he, uh, he started off at Roma and um, he made a name for himself there. And after Liverpool sold Xabi Alonso... Aquilani was brought in as a replacement in 2009 for £18 million. Pounds. So I think I think straight away people were raising their eyebrows at that price. Um, had Liverpool brought in many players for that much money before, up to that point? Not really, no. No, no probably not. Yeah, I don't no. think so. But I remember at the time, there, was just, um, there seemed like there was a lot of pressure on him to perform, live up to that price tag. And he didn't. He didn't really at all. He didn't. Um, it was a bit anonymous in games. Didn't make much impact yeah. at all. And I think he only started nine games uh, in that first season. There, eighteen appearances in total. 
with one goal. And after that, he was uh, shipped off on loan spells back to Italy. So, uh, yeah, like I said, he joined in 2009. And then in 2012, he was sold permanently to Fiorentina for just £1.8 million. Pounds. <laughs> Madness, isn't it? Of what they forked out for him. It was just a really bad transfer for someone who wasn't cut out to play in the Premier League. Yeah. No, I mean, I um, got a couple more little bits onto it. That season, I think Liverpool were sniffing around Gareth, Gareth Barry, but they missed out and he went to Man City. And I think because Alonso left, I think this was a bit of a panic buy because when I looked, he was my number 10 on the list and I couldn't really see anything that he did at Roma that sort of sprung out. When Rafa left Liverpool at the end of the year, he was replaced by Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson said, said to him apparently that he spoke Italian to Aquilani and was a gentleman that told me he wanted to buy Joe Cole and make the team more English. <laughs> so I'd, I think rather, in, I'd rather have kept with Aquilani, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so in the nicest possible way, off you, off you go, mate. Thanks a lot, but see you in a bit. But no, I just thought it was a very, a bit of a knee jerk, a bit of a panic buy by Liverpool to try and replace somebody, to try and replace, sorry, Xavi Alonso, which unfortunately backfired a little bit. <laughs> I, I feel a little bit, I, I mean, I, I left him off my list because I've got my decades mixed up, but sorry. I feel a little bit sorry for him because obviously he came over here. I don't really think he was ever given a chance and he got a lot of injuries. Yeah. He played under like what four managers, four or five managers for Liverpool. Yeah, it was a pretty chaotic time at that time, wasn't it? At Liverpool? And you know, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. He was a panic buy, but Liverpool have been sniffing around Gareth Barry for about two years, so it's Liverpool's fault for not buying him. Well, they should have bought him. But, but that, <laughs> well, that, that was the old Liverpool way, wasn't it? <laughs> was it Ian Eyre you used to go off to Russia for like two months, trying to get a player, and you come back empty-handed? Is that what you've been doing out there? I know he faffed around massively with the Gareth Barry um, signing, where you know he was ready, ready to he wanted to talk to us and everything, and it didn't work out, did it? So, Alonso might have stayed had we not gone after publicly gone after Gareth Barry, because that's the reason why Alonso left. But I digress. <clears throat> but yeah, exactly. Aquilani wasn't worth the money we paid for him. Bottom line. No, I think that's the only reason I put him even in my top ten because you pay. In those times, you know, I know you can't put on a player's head, you know, so it's not their fault that they're put, paid that much, you know, that um, Liverpool paid that much. But £17 million in those days was quite a lot of money, wasn't it? Yeah, the reason I put him a bit higher is because um, big price tag, like we said, but also he was brought in as Zabi Alonso's replacement. So there was a lot expected of him or all the hopes of him. So that's why I've, I've put him down as quite high yeah. up on my list of flops. Yeah. But again, it's not... It's not really his problem that he was expected to replace Alonso, <laughs> is it? Well, it kind of is. They're paying him handsomely. Well, <laughs> you're either good enough or you're not. Yeah, but hey, he well, obviously wasn't. <laughs> this is Chabby Alonso we're talking about here. This isn't like... Okay, yeah. so what are you talking about as well? You've got to get that quality in. And if you're paying that much money yeah, back yeah, in those no, days, you've got to make sure it's quality, don't you? 38 caps for Italy. Yeah. It was just a bad yeah. deal all round, really. The back heel is aimed for Steven Gerrard, and that's Aquilani! It's been a long time in coming for Alberto Aquilani, but now the move to Anfield will feel all that little more worthwhile. 
Okay, what's your number five then, Ant? Uh, I've gone with Francis Jeffers. Fanny Jeffers, yeah, I think he snap. I think, uh, yeah, snap. So yeah, you go for it, mate. I actually put him at number one. Oh, you number one. Oh, sorry then. We'll move on. We'll move swiftly on then to Dan's number four. Then my number four is Veron. He's my number one. Is he? He's the, he's my one that I left out. <laughs> oh damn, we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> we'll put in bets on which one you leave out. Yeah, we're texting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I said Shevchenko, Dan said Jeffers. No, no, I wouldn't leave Andre out. That one was a big one. Go on then. Well, where are we up to now, Chris? Uh, number four for Ant, please. Adrian Mewtwo. Okay, my number right. three. So he signed uh, in 2003 um, for 15.8 million. Um, obviously, pressure was high on him because he was one of Brambridge's first big names. Um, and one season at Palmer, where he'd come from, he'd bagged 18 goals in 31 appearances. And he was expected to do even better at Chelsea because of the, the talent that they'd got in their squad. Uh, he appeared in 27 games in his debut season, scoring 10 times. I think he got like four in his first four games as well, if I remember rightly. Um, but unfortunately, rather than the goals he scored, he was remembered for his failed drug test in 2004 when they found cocaine in him. And obviously, therefore, they sacked him because breached a contract. Um, and then they spent the next decade in and out of courts. And um, eventually, he was ordered to pay the club millions of pounds of compensation. I suppose in that respect, he's not a flop because Chelsea made a massive profit on him. Did they? Well, probably. I reckon they got a fair bit of compensation back. No, they didn't. He just declared himself bankrupt and never paid. Did he? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get to that bit. (laughs) No, for me, I was really surprised by the way Chelsea handled it because he got a seventh-month ban for the cocaine that he tested positive for. If they'd let him just take the ban and then continue playing for them. They might have got better value on him. But the, the action they took was to sack him and then sue him for the, the transfer fee that they paid to Palmer to try and get that back off Mutu for the fact that he was in breach of contract for failing the drugs test. And um, I think that was a bit short-sighted. Bit of a bit of a power move by Abramovich that he didn't think through. Well, but uh, yeah, for some... Caught doing drugs, for, you should get sacked for it in any job. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that he shouldn't. He didn't deserve it, but I don't think it was the best outcome for the club or for the player. But yeah, but he's brought in for 15 million pounds from Syria. He's expected to form this uh, amazing strike partnership with Crespo, who they also brought in from Syria. And then, um, yeah, to just for it all to go to waste over something like that—it's just so disappointing for the the club and the fans. So that's why I put him uh, number three. Fair enough. He was definitely a bit of a disruptive uh, personality, wasn't he, Mr. Mutu? Had a lot of talent. I read that he apparently tried to drag Scott Parker down with him because apparently Scott Parker was never late for training. And one day Mutu had obviously been on a bit of a bender and he said they live they lived near each other. He said, Oh Scott, do you mind waiting for me? So Scott waited for him and was obviously late for training. It was the only time he was ever late. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's fine. <laughs> I bet he was fuming. No, I bet Absolutely. he was. But you know, on different teams in the training uh, match that <laughs> <day>. <laughs> Muto! What a follow-up! What a debut goal! Adrian Muto, in whom Roman Abramovich has invested some of his millions, arrowing the perfect shot. Hello there, Mike. My number four, I've sort of slightly cheated a little bit, is Roque Jr., at Leeds, he's a low knee. He wasn't bought, but I just thought, just for the story and how bad he was, he deserved to be in, in a top ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he joined on loan from Milan in two thousand three. The summer of two thousand two, he was lifting the World Cup with Brazil, and he actually um, had over forty caps for Brazil at the time as well. In that, this time, Leeds were actually going through financial difficulties. They couldn't buy any ones, so they depended a lot on loanees. At the time, um, Peter Reid was the manager. Um, he actually commented saying that um, Rocky Jr. will give us strength in depth and quality. <laughs> Unfortunately, that wasn't so. <laughs> on his debut, he got sent off. He then did score twice in a Corning Cup match against Man United. Still ended up a 3-2 defeat. Here's a question for you. Who scored the winning goal for Man United? Do you know? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go on. Sorry. Jemba Jemba. No way. (laughs) (laughs) A name blast from the past. So good. Uh, He was nicknamed in West Yorkshire Roque Senior just due to his poor defending. <laughs> he lasted seven games, conceded 25 goals, and include, that included also a 4-0 loss away at Leicester. Um, and that's why I put him in number, at number four, just because it was an absolute nightmare by the sounds of things. I don't think any defender has ever had such a negative impact on a team as much as that guy did. <laughs> Yeah, I remember he was brought in with quite a bit of fanfare because he was a World Cup winner. Yeah. Coming to the Premier League. But it just wasn't... I mean, Brazil weren't well known for their defending anyway back then. No. Again, another one that struggled with the pace. Pace of the game. Yeah, have you seen a picture of him um, with his game from his game against Everton where he was marking Duncan Ferguson? And he's, was that the one with the ripped shirt? His shirt's ripped to pieces, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the poor guy didn't have a chance, did he? Just, no. I think I think they ended up losing that game six one. Wow! It it was just unbelievable conceding. You know, in seven games, twenty five goals. It's just it's over three goals a game <laughs> from a World Cup winner. Anyway, so we're on to now the big three. You've done me two now, haven't you? For your three, number three there, Dan, haven't you? Yep, that's right. And am I right? Is it Rebrov? No, no Rebrov's further back for me. It's Afonso Alves for me. Afonso Alves, okay. Yeah. Where was he for you, Dan? Number nine. Okay. Wow. 
wasn't even on my list, so we've got a bit of a varied opinion on this guy. Well, I'll put him up here because obviously he had this amazing season at Hirenbeen. I know I'm in the Dutch league and everyone scores buckets of goals in Dutch league. There's 48 goals in 48 games. And Middlesbrough just looked at it and went, right, we'll pay 12.5 million for him, which is a lot of money for Middlesbrough. Was uh, Graham Souness in charge? <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Southgate, would you believe? <laughs> wow. Um, and yeah, like I said, he was 27 when they bought him, so he should have been absolutely in his prime. Um, and he actually had a better goal scoring record in Holland than Brazilian Ronaldo. So he scored, uh, Alves scored 45 and 39 games, and Ronaldo did 42 and 46 games. Um, but he finished his first campaign at Middlesbrough with six goals in 11 games, which doesn't sound too bad. However, three of them were in uh, were hat-trick in the 8-1 drubbing on Man City that season. And then in his only full season with the club, he scored four in 31 games. And it was just very apparent like, early on that he was he was great against like lowly opposition in FA Cups and like, Dutch teams, no offence to them. Um, but he struggled against Premiership Standard. Uh, and this was proven further because when he went to Qatar for the rest of his career, he scored 46 in 68 games. And it's just, for me, it feels like he's kind of wasted his career in Qatar. I mean, I'm not saying he was ever that good, but he could at least done quite a good job back in Holland or France or somewhere. Well, yeah, it seems like he's a bit in um, no man's land, wasn't he? Good, good in the lower, probably not as competitive leagues, but when it comes to the Prem, he just quite didn't quite. Yeah, the... I read a bit about him, and he had he had quite a bit. I think he had a bit of skill, and he had a bit of intelligence about his game. But he was again, he was another one that just didn't have the physical side. Yeah. Um, and like in in Holland, he had this. A lot of his goals were sort of like long shots from from his right foot. Yeah. Uh, but then I read an article that it came down to the fact that Dutch goalkeepers aren't a passion the Premiership goalkeepers. I think this is the problem, wasn't it? I think a lot of these, the people that we got, the flops are sort of obviously foreign, big name foreign guys that have struggled with the physicality and the speed and probably slightly underestimated how hard it is in the Premier League. Yeah, and they do it in Stoke on a Wednesday night. Well, that's the famous saying which will always be used. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see how Messi does next season when he's at Man City then, shall we? Oh, yeah. Don't think they need him, do they? <laughs> You've got their own little Manchester Messi, haven't they, Mr. Foden? No, <laughs> no that, that's not too bad. I'm, I'm still questioning how high, but you've, you've done a very good argument there, to be honest. It was more, it was more the money for me. Like, yeah, I know twelve million is not a lot, but to Middlesbrough, that's a lot of money. What year was that? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Still, quite a lot of money though, even back then. To be fair, you know. Yeah, the reason I put it out number nine is because they recouped seven million of that when they sold him on. Oh, really? Um, Where did he end up going to? Did he? Oh, yeah, Qatar, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, sad in Qatar. Well, they got money out there. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. It's Alves! It's fantastic! His first goal of the season, and it doubles the punishment for Stoke City. Andy Fye sent off. From the free kick, Brazilian perfection. 1-0 Barrett. Well, he's, he's passed up a couple of guilt-edged chances, but he certainly made up for it there. OK, then. So, my number three was Mr. Rebrov. He 
Was he on everyone of you guys' lists? Or? Yeah. Number eight for me. And what about for you, Dan? Number seven for me. Okay, I'll, I might have over, overhyped him for this one then, by the signs <laughs> of things. We'll have to have a scene. Right, he was signed for 11 mil in 2000 from Dynamo Kiev. Yeah, um, to Spurs, sorry. Who actually beat Arsenal and Rangers to the signing of him. Fancy back in the day, Rangers being there, up there with the, the big boys in the Premier League. That seems like yonks ago, doesn't it, now? Anyway, Pundits predicted that Red Bull would struggle with the pace of the Premier League, but um, Spurs still punted on him as their marquee signing due to his Kiev record of just over one goal in every two games. Um, they had also strikers there at the time of Chris Armstrong, Stefan Everson, and there's Ferdinand. And he actually started quite well. Uh, February 2001, though, and Sugar, who was the chairman at the time, um, got bought out by another group called Enic. George Graham was then sacked as manager for breaches of contract. And this would affect um, Red Bull's time at the club and starting um, appearances. Um, the following day, after the sacking, David Pleat was then caretaker manager, and then Glenn Hoddle took over in April of 2001. He did end up the top scorer due to his good start the the season with 12 goals. But unfortunately, Hoddle wasn't a fan, um, and he struggled, like I say, he struggled with the pace of the game, and he then fell behind um, the, new, the arrival of Teddy Sheringham to the club, which was one of Hoddle's favourites. That limited his starts to only nine games the following season with 21 sub-appearances, scoring only once. Then the next season, Robbie Keane arrived at Spurs. So unfortunately, Rebrov was then sent off on loan to Fenerbahce. So in his three seasons, he only got 10 goals in 60 games, which obviously is a turnaround of one every six. And that's why I'll put him quite high due to the turnaround. And I don't think they particularly made their money back on him either. Have you guys got anything else to add for that? Only that he went to West Ham and was equally as rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I glanced over that one because I <laughs> And then went back to Kiev and was great again. <laughs> I think he, he's now something to do with the Ukraine national team, isn't he, at the moment? Yeah, him and Shevchenko. Yeah, that, that price tag at that time in the year 2000 was a lot of money back then. It's a hell of a lot. And that's why I put him so so high, to be honest, um, on my one. I mean, what was your guys' reasoning for putting him slightly lower than me? Was it just because... He did okay at the start, and it just got that he just got buff, kicked down the order. Not really his own fault. Yeah, I felt that the stats were inflated a little bit by the substitute appearances. He did get ten goals at Spurs, and yeah. he didn't have that many starting opportunities. So I didn't think he was quite as bad as he's uh, made out to be. What about you? And any particular reason? Just sort of no, just, fault. yeah, yeah, exactly, pretty much. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Goals in all the other quarterfinals. Oh, Rebrov has followed this one in. And Tottenham Hotspur 
have drawn first blood at Upton Park. Isn't it incredible? That easy volley. He blazed over the bar in the opening minutes. I said the boy had talent. He was better than that. When all around are looking at the big boys, he wanders and I have to say, not great marking there. As he's allowed to wander in. Have you had your number two yet, Dan? Uh, no. My number two is Bosco Balaban. My number ten. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, my number nine. It. My number nine, sorry. He was going to be my special mention, but um, go ahead. It's a good story. So, um, yeah, Aston Villa forked out £7 million for him in 2001. So that's a pretty hefty fee, especially for Aston Villa back then. And this was after he'd um, put in a decent performance at the 98 World Cup for Croatia. And he'd, um, he'd had a reasonable time at Zagreb. He'd scored 14 goals in 27 games. And prior to that, he was at uh, Rijeka, another Croatian club, where he got 21 goals in 37 games. So he had a pretty good record. That's why uh, they paid the money. But um, in his first season, he, he didn't even play a game for eight months. Um, and then in the end, I don't think he made many appearances at all. It was uh, just eight appearances he made for yeah. Villa. Only one of them as a starter. Seven substitute appearances. Um, I think there were a few players at Villa at the time where there was uh, issues off the field and Balaban was another one of them. Uh, when he left Villa, he, he blamed it on Aston Villa rather than taking any responsibility for the fact that he um, didn't perform there. And he was on a £20,000 a week contract at the time. As well. I mean, from what I read about him quickly, didn't he then move to something like Club Bruges and then start scoring again? It was a really odd perplexing yeah. sort of thing. And then he was back to normal. He was back um, to normal almost. Yeah. <laughs> he went on loan to Zagreb and scored 15 and 24. And then he moved to Bruges on a free and he got 25 goals in 24 games in his first season. So how many in his second season, mate? 27 out of 30. Something obviously seriously went on behind the scenes there, you know. Exactly, yeah. So he come to England for all this money and then I don't know whether it's the club, whether he just couldn't settle in the country or something, but there's just something not right about him moving to the Premier League. It didn't work out and he totally flops. Yeah. And then as soon as he leaves, he's um, back to himself again. Crazy. No, I'm, I'm almost a bit guilty about not putting him in my top 10. I feel a bit guilty about that now. <laughs> And what's your number two again? Andre Shevchenko. Yeah, let's go for it. Was he on your list as well, Dan? Sorry, I couldn't... Yes. Back, yeah, a bit further back. I had him at number, number eight. Cool. And do you want to start us off then? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not written a great... I'm not really a great deal of him. I mean, obviously, Chelsea broke the, the British transfer record at the time to bring him to Stamford Bridge, 30.8 million. He had scored 175 goals in 322 appearances for um, AC Milan, 48 in 111 for Ukraine. He had won five successive Ukrainian titles with Dynamo Kiev. He's won Champions League, Super Cup, Ballon d'Or, you name it. You know, he was he was a quality striker. We all know he's a quality striker. Um, and yet he came to Chelsea and he managed 22 goals in three years, uh, which puts every one of his goals at about 1.4 million. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, 
can't disagree with any of that. The only, the only reason I put him a bit lower down on my list is that there was something going on there with him and Mourinho, I felt, when Mourinho was playing him on the right wing and seemed to prefer Drogba up front, who was starting to score goals as well. Yeah, I think Mourinho didn't want him, did he? It was a, it was an Abramovich signing. Abramovich wanted him. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably get him back to manage the club soon as well. At some point. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Mourinho ever particularly... Well, I'm sure Mourinho wouldn't say no to him, but I don't think he was ever high on Mourinho's list of players. No, he wanted Drogba, didn't he, just up front and and thought that them two probably wouldn't work together. And that's that's what I got. And I, don't you reckon, though, lads, that his move to Chelsea was probably a couple of years too late into his career? You know, you think about how he was, you know, go back to... When was he that he moved? It was... 2006. I mean, how prolific he would have been in, say, 2003, 2004. It just seemed like he lost his edge a little bit. And I think he had some injuries that he carried over from the Euros as well. And um, Yeah, you, you might be right. I'm just reluctant to give him that excuse. I think, I think it's largely down to the way it was managed and uh, the club. And also that he, he didn't really settle very well. No. Um, I read a quote from John Obi Bukel that said that they just couldn't get a word out of him. He didn't speak in training. He's a very, very quiet player, the quietest he's ever known. Uh, so it's a bit of a strange one. Yeah. I mean, you would have thought as well, the, you know, when Jose eventually left, you know, they brought Avan Grant in, which obviously surprised everybody anyway. But he still didn't really make much of an impression then. You would, know, you would have thought with a new, new manager, he would have gone right then. New start, reset button. Let's push, you know, try and push on. But it just didn't didn't seem bothered, did he? It just it was a very odd one, I thought. For thirty two million back in back in those days, or oh, sorry, thirty million. But that's why I put him so high on mine. You know, just because it was such a large amount of money and with little payback on it, really. My number two then, isn't it? And that is Albert Luque to Newcastle. Uh, he was bought in 2005 from Deportivo for £9 million. He signed a five-year contract there on high wages. It seemed like it was a bit of a, a power trip by, again, Mr Sunes. Like we all know, he, the great manager he was. He got rid of a lot of Bobby Robson old players like Craig Bellamy, Olivia Barnard, Lauren Robert, Aaron Hughes and Jermaine Genus. With all that money that he made, which was about £40 million, he bought in Babiaro, Owen, Boomson and Luque. I think that seems like a fair swap to you, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, he was brought in days before Owen was brought in. Luque did score in a 4-1 win versus Sunderland and in the UEFA Cup versus Palermo. He made 34 appearances for Newcastle and scored three goals in three years. He eventually left to join Ajax in 2007. Um, and in, in an interview with Lee Clark, who was a teammate at the time, he said that he lacked commitment with the club. And that's probably just the reason why I put 
put him at number two because, you know, a season before that, he was at Deportivo in the Champions League scoring against Milan. Hmm. And look at him now. He just seemed to just, just didn't, like I said, didn't that commitment. And for that sort of amount of money, you would at least want something back. And that's why I put him so high, to be honest. That's a good one. Yeah, he was, right he was seriously considered by me, but I'm trying <laughs> to put him in my list. Yeah, no, no, no worries. So this is the big one then. You're number one then, Dan. Yeah, I went for Francis Jeffers, transferring from Everton to Arsenal. Uh, I believe it was a fee that was rising to £13 million pounds back in 2001. Yeah. It was a lot of money. Yeah. I, I, no, I didn't realise it was that much. I, I, I had £8 million down, but obviously there's add-ons and stuff. Yeah, it was. I think it was £8 million originally, and then it was a load of add-ons based on appearances, um, potentially. He had a decent goal-scoring record at Everton where he started his career. He had 18 goals in 49 appearances. And uh, when Arsenal signed him, uh, Wenger said that uh, he signed a fox in the box, which I thought was a really strange (laughs) quote because I I didn't think of Arsenal as a team that played that way where they need a fox in the box. Uh, So straight away, I thought it's a lot of money for a guy that didn't obviously fit in there. And they had the uh, likes of... Thierry on re-emerging and Dennis Bergkamp and they'll play in a very continental and attractive style of football and I didn't see how Francis Jeffers was going to fit in and um, lo and behold it didn't work out well Jeffers um, he only made 22 appearances in three years at Arsenal and he got four goals to his name and his final appearance was in a Community Shield game against Man United where he got sent off for stamping on Phil Neville Probably the uh, most pleasant memory Arsenal fans have of him. <laughs> but not only did he flop at Arsenal, but afterwards, when he moved back to Everton on loan, he played 18 games and didn't score. And for the rest of his career, he became a bit of a journeyman and he barely netted any goals. He finished his career with 235 appearances and 40 goals. And 18 of those 40 scored before he joined Arsenal. But after he joined Arsenal, his confidence was just ruined he did he never belonged at the club he didn't see himself as a top striker anymore it was just the end of his career really it was it was an odd signing wasn't it I mean you you look at where he the people he was contesting the positions with you know Thierry Henry, Bergkamp, Canu and Wiltord they were all at Arsenal before he joined and to pay that much money on a young lad I mean who was 20 at the time and cost only three million less than they paid for Thierry Henry two years before. It's just it's a lot of pressure for the young lad, and he wasn't going to get games, was he? You could just see it now, written in. But it was a very un-Arsenal signing in every yeah. way. He didn't fit the style. He, he was a lot of money for what he was. That that that's not Arsenal. There's never been Arsenal. They don't pay over the odds for people. Exactly. And this is Mr. Mr. Wenger as well, who he rarely paid over 100000 for a player after that scene. Kolo <laughs> yeah. Torre and Pascal Segan and the likes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're right, and it was just a strange signing all round. It was it looked like it was doomed to fail. And Franny Jeffers, he didn't seem like he had um, that sort of 
confidence in himself and you can see the price tag weighing on him from day one and he, he never shook it off and performed yeah. absolutely right so that's why I put it as my number one. I thought it was just a really, really bad signing from every way you look at it. He fell out with David Moyes as well when he went back to Everton after Arsenal. Oh, really? They had a massive, had a massive bust up. Oh, uh, there, was a, there was a quote from someone like oh, I found. Um, I think it was some some journalist said that after this latest spat with Moyes, there's more hope of Everton fans seeing Lord Lucan lead the forward line next season than Franny Jeffers. <laughs> but yeah, now you put a good argument with that one. Burkamp, no flag here, and Everton a bit slow to react to all of it. Jeffers! He's got a goal against Everton. And he's pretty much made sure that Arsenal will finish with yet another win. So, and your number one is this Mr. Varon? It is, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, Go for it, mate. I, I put him. At, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was I could have had about four players at number one, but I went with Veron purely because of the fact that he wasn't just a flop at one English team; he was a flop at two English teams, <laughs> and both times there was a fair bit of money involved. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he'd um, he'd obviously made a name of himself at Lazio. He helped them win Serie A and Coppa Italia and all that. Um, and Alex Ferguson uh, decided to stump up 28 million for him. Um, and the idea was that he was going to join Roy Keane and Paul Scholes in midfield and they're the best midfield in the world. Um, but it, it, Veron, again, is another one. He just couldn't cope with the pace of the Premier League and like, the, the pace and the, the physical play. Um, and he just didn't have that time on the ball that he had when he was at Lazio. Um, but he, he did make 82 appearances. Um, for Man United in all competitions over two seasons. And then despite being pretty naff for Man United, um, Mr. Brambridge decided to pay £15 million for him. And and quite frankly, he didn't do much better at Stamford Bridge. I think he uh, made seven appearances in one season. And then he was paid such a ridiculous wage that it took him about three years to get rid of him. Wow. So that, that's why he's my number one. No, it's fair enough. Oh, yeah. So, two thousand and one as well for that transfer fee. It was uh, was that a record fee at the time? I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was a transfer record. Yeah. yeah. And Fergie doesn't normally get them wrong. Not not at that price. Well, not back then, anyway. No. Uh, two thousand and one time, anyway. He kept being asked about it in the in the press uh, about the signing, whether the price tag was weighing on him, and he famously. Uh, Started effing and blinding. <laughs> I've done a big rant at the press, uh, questioning about <laughs> yeah. quality of Veron. But uh, I think also, um, in hindsight, it was a bit of a mistake to try and uh, add add to that midfield and break up for Giggs, Keane, Scholes, and Beckham. You don't yeah. really want to bring another star in to mess with that. No, no exactly. So he decided to bring in Jemba Jemba a few years later. Yeah, look how, that, look how that turned out. Well, at least it was a bit cheaper. Exactly, yeah, supporting cast. Gronkjaer from the right, it's Veron! And Chelsea have taken the lead at Anfield. My number one was 
Shevchenko. So that's all done, to be honest. So let's just recap our top three then. So mine was Rebrov, then Albert Luque, and then my number one was Shevchenko. What was your top three there, Dan? Uh, three was Mutu, then Balaban, then Jeffers. And finally, and, uh, Alfonso, Alves, uh, Shevchenko, and Veron. Brilliant. Okay. I'll put this out onto, onto Twitter. Got some replies. Alex from uh, Stu and Alpod said, most Newcastle signings. That's from a Newcastle fan, obviously. I then got him down to saying um, Boom Song. That's who he thinks is the worst. He was a, he was a special mention for me. Yeah. John he Allen. made my list. He had, he had a shocking final season there, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris Kelly said Winston Bogard. But, of course, yeah. we've already spoke about Winston Bogard on your Good, Bad, Obscure. So we couldn't really go over that again. Um, Stu from the Stu and Our Pod said Francis Jeffers, Arsenal. So yeah. agrees with me. Spoke about him. Um, Chris uh, Stonage said Deco, Diego Forlan, and uh, Robbie Keane's spell at Liverpool. And number one has to be Shevchenko. I think, to be honest, uh, Deco sort of slipped through the net with me. I did think of Forlan, but I didn't think he was too bad. I thought that was a harsh one for Lam. Yeah, yeah, he was more, more as a reserve striker, really, wasn't he, to be honest? For Lam, for me, was like Man United's dirt cow. He ran his socks off every game, but yeah, yeah. didn't have any end product. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I think I got one more. And that was Titus Bramble from, from the stands, my friends there, uh, in 2006, which... Yeah, I think he went came to Newcastle on another big fee, wasn't it, from Ipswich? I can see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone have any special mentions? I had two. I've not written anything about them. Well, I have I had two that we've not spoke about. Um I've not written anything about them. It was Alan Hutton, Rangers to Spurs. Rangers Spurs? Yeah. yeah. And El Hajjouf. Oh yeah. Okay. What 10 million you, based on Senegal being half decent at a World yeah. Cup. Yeah, scoring a goal against France. <laughs> uh, the only one we not mentioned was David Bentley. It was £19 million pounds yeah, to Tottenham. 15. Yeah, £15 million pounds to Tottenham. Um, and then he, <laughs> he just lost interest in football and his biggest yeah. contribution there was tipping an ice bucket over Harry Redknapp. Yeah, yeah, he's on my good, bad, obscure, yeah. He, he yeah. did score from the halfway line against Arsenal, against his old club. So. On, on his day, first goal on for, his debut, for Spurs. Right? I think that warrants a bit of the 15 million with the Tottenham fans, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. That's true. I had, um, I had Balaban and uh, Seth Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. Where they paid like eight million at the time and put him on high wages, and yeah. unfortunately, wasn't quite that that, that standard of play. No, I think that's a good list, lads. Not quite a good varied one, especially our top threes. Now then, what have we got on the Fantasy Football League? Or should I even bother asking, Dan? Yeah, I can update you. Hey, um, if you have to, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris knows what's coming. I'll start at the top. Uh, we've actually had a change in leadership at the top. Deportivo La Coronia have reclaimed top spot. 
1,439 points. And uh, Clerc de Cruz is now just four points behind him. So it's uh, pretty close between those two. But I've also noted that uh, in third place, we've got Altsieb Hamiad on 1,405 points. So 34 points off the top. That's that's not a lot now. He's really closed the gap. So it's become a bit of a three-horse race there. Between us three, Ant's still out in front. He's in 15th place overall on hey. 1,279 points. Just and Can then, I just interrupt you? I've just seen Ant's score. So he had... Uh... Martinez, Justin, Dallas, Creswell, Diaz, Son, Gunnarsson, uh, Fernandez as captain, Grealish, Wilson, and Bam Bamford. Good score there, Ant. Mm. Yeah, now half that now half that team's injured. Yeah, <laughs> fantasy football <laughs> at its best, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gives us a chance to catch him. So, yeah, Chris, you interrupted as I was about to say that I've now gone above you in the league. Well, well that's why I tactically interrupted you, mate. Uh, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> that 20 points you gained on me was actually the 20... We were about one point in between us, I think, before last week. And I got 45, you got 66. That's right. Uh, it's uh, put me up to 27th in the league, uh, 1,191 points. And you've... Um, Cradle that 30th spot that you've been after all year. <laughs> 1,171 points. Oh. Yeah. But I've, I've noted a top score from last week on 91 points. That was uh, Zeus FC, the team that's actually bottom of the league. It's <laughs> top scored. Um, team owner Michael Toby. So I'm going to give him a shout out. And his team is made up of um, <laughs> quite similar to Ants in many ways. Uh, Martinez in goal. Uh, Son, Watkins, Calvert-Lewin, Werner, Gundogan, and then Sterling is his captain. Got him 16 points. I want to know why he's bottom of the league. Yeah. I don't know if he's just joined the game late or something. <laughs> that's not a bad lineup at all, is it? No, it's strong, isn't it? So, yeah, that's what I've got on fantasy football this week. No, thanks a lot for that, mate. Right then. The VAR at the Bar Quiz, episode 19. Where are we then on the, st- the standings on this, Dan? Uh, the scores are 9-6-3. No, it's a bit of no man's land here, isn't it? You know? <laughs> it really is. Wow. Okay. We've got 15 easy to middle questions for you guys. Are you all ready to, to begin? Yeah. Okay, then. So, question number one. In December 2020, Mario Balotelli moved to which Serie B club to reunite with his pal Kevin Prince Boten? Is it Brescia? Uh, No. Barry? Uh, No. Genoa? Uh, No. Do you want me to give you the first letter of the name? Can do. Uh, M. M for mother. If you know your race tracks, Monza. Monza. Yeah, sorry, Dan, just got that before you, mate, I'm afraid. That's all right. That's about the only race track I do know. (laughs) To be honest, you give us that many clues, it probably should be a null and void, that one, to be honest. (laughs) 
I'm happy with that. One nil down. Okay, question two. During the last transfer window, Shane Long moved on loan from Southampton to which championship club? I know this. Bournemouth. Correct. Well done, Amp. Question three. Which club did David Silva move to for Man City this summer? So see you, Dad. Well done, Amp. Two, one. <laughs> Okay, one of uh, our regulars, our original questions. So I'm going to name you the clubs. You just got to name me the player. So, Wimbledon, Charlton, Middlesbrough. Jason Newell. That's correct. Well done. Yeah, Jesus. good shout. Good shout, mate. Same, same thing. Sao Paulo, Middlesbrough, Atletico Madrid. Middlesbrough Yes, Dan. Tell you, uh, this guy's unbeatable on these ones, you know. (laughs) Okay, so it's 3-2 at the moment. So question six. The last replayed FA Cup final was in 1993, which eventually saw Arsenal win the Cup. Who were their opponents? Sheffield Wednesday. Well done, Dan. Fair enough. 4-2. Now, this is where you just need your pen and paper, guys. Cristiano Ronaldo had a nine-year career at, at Real Madrid. That spanned 292 appearances. But how many goals did he score? Bar wiki, this is. So, I'll give you a couple of seconds if you just write, write it out and just... Oh, 301, and Dan's gone 325. The actual number was 311. Well done, Dan. That's high. I didn't think it's good. It's an incredible stat, though, isn't it? Over one yeah. game. Well, I remembered him getting to 300, but then I heard very little after that. So that's a It's 4 3 at the moment. Well done. Okay, so this is a head to head. One, you answer with one player and vice versa, yeah? Okay, so which players started for England versus Croatia in the semi-final of the World Cup in 2018? I'll go start with Ant first. This is the starting 11. Pickford. Correct. Harry Kane. Yeah. Maguire. Correct. Raheem Sterling. Yeah, well done. Trippier. Kieran Trippier. Correct. He scored in the first half, I think, didn't he? Kyle Walker. Oh, he's gone Kyle Walker. Correct. Henderson. Henday. Yes, well done. Oh, getting tricky now. Yeah, you've gone you've gone seven players in, guys. Well done. Alright, I'll go for John Stones. John Stones. That's who you've gone for. Man City's John Stones, yeah? Yep. Yeah, you're still in the game. <laughs> um 
is where it gets tough. I'll be yeah, honest. I don't know if this guy starts. So I'll sort it. Uh, Deli Ali. So you gone with Deli Ali Spurs. Yeah, well done, Ant. You got there's nine. You've got nine then between the two of you. So there's two more left. Marcus Rashford. John Rashford. Sorry, mate. He's a sub. And look at. Would you like to know? Would anyone like to 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 guess on who the two were? Jesse Lingard. Correct. Yeah. Last one. Do you know? Actually, yeah. So the scores are at the moment. It's four all. High quality uh, match this up. Gamble question now, guys. Oh dear. <laughs> Kevin Phillips has played for nine teams. Can you name who they are? And we're going to go with Ant first. Uh, four. Four. That's a good, good guess. No, I'll go five. Yeah, I'll try six. Okay, no I'm going to have right, to see then. a mysterious thing now. Can you go seven there, Dan? No, you can name him, Ant. Okay, so six, please, Ant. Uh, Sunderland? Uh, no, only joking, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we're talking about the right player here. <laughs> <laughs> Six. Um, Watford. Correct. Palace. Yep. Um, Birmingham. Correct. Yep. Oh, um, West Brom. Yep. Just the one more, please. Uh. Southampton. So you've gone Southampton for your sake. Are you sure with that, mate? Yeah? Final answer. Yeah. Going Chris I think I'm sure. <laughs> well, you got the point, mate. Well done. Well, that's a tough one, that was. You've got boy. all the hard ones. So, <laughs> the actual nine for anyone that's playing, uh, it's Watford, Sunderland, Southampton, Villa, West Brom, Birmingham, Blackpool, Palace and finished off at the Leicester City. Uh, yeah, of course it. How many would you have got on that one, Dan? Anywhere close? Um, I think I would have got seven of them at a push. I forgot cool. about Villa and I forgot about Blackpool. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about Blackpool. I forgot about Crystal Palace. But yeah, I remember the, just I, about. I, yeah, definitely. I vaguely remember the rest. Right then, so it's uh, Dan four and five. Another gamble question. Barring English clubs that are in the Champions League, so that's Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, which 13 clubs can you name that are in the last 16? Oh, Jesus. Uh, Dan, starting you off, mate, please. The first gamble. Go with six. 
Okay. Solid, solid start. Um, You're going to do it down and go up two like you did last, last no, time. No, I'm not that confident on this one. Um, I'll say seven. I'm not overly confident. Yeah, I'll let you name these out. Oh, I'm <laughs> not confident either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so seven, please, Ant. Uh, Barcelona. Uh, yeah. Uh, PSG. Yeah. Bayern. Yeah. Um, Real Madrid. Yeah. Leipzig. You want to five? Yeah. Last two. Um, Juventus. One more, please. God. Um, Napoli. Oh, we've got Napoli. That's... Sorry, mate. No. <sighs> Can you name one, Dan, to steal the point, mate? Um, Inter Milan? No, they failed to qualify. I'm going to have to, unfortunately, throw that one out. I'll give you the full list. That is Leipzig, Barcelona, PSG, Sevilla. Dortmund, Porto, oh. Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, Bayern Munich, Atalanta, Real Madrid, and uh, Bayern Mönchengladbach. Oh, I nearly said them. <laughs> I was trying to think who was in Liverpool's group, and some yeah, of Napoli, so Napoli was in the group, but they weren't. Yeah, it was Atalanta. Yeah, yeah. lucky there, guys. Good try. Okay, so the scores are, oh, we're still looking at um, Dan 4 and 5. Question 11, which club recently moved back to Plough Lane? Wimbledon. Yes, correct. Yeah, Wimbledon. Oh, don't be pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was worth a shot. You paused. I thought, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I was half in my mind, but I thought, I, I know what Dan meant. Okay, so number 12, who's the nickname the Sulfurites? Sulford? No. They are in the lower tiers of the... I'll give that. League one, league two. Um... They're up north. They've recently been promoted. Arrogate Town. Well done. Six five ants. Gamble question, guys. Can you name the eight clubs that Ian Holloway has managed? Ant first go. Uh, four. Okay. It's a nice one. Fifty percent. I'll go six. Oh, you bugger. Oh, he's confident. <laughs> You're going to go seven, mate. 
the score six five to you at the moment. Go on, I'll give it a go. I'll give seven a go. Oh, you beauty. Okay. No, I'll let Ant go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Sorry, Ant, when you're ready, mate. All right. Uh, let's get Leicester out of the way first, because that's the obvious one. Yeah. Um, Grimsby. Correct. Um... Plymouth. Uh, yeah. Palace. Well, uh, yes. Um. QPR. You're on to five, mate. Another two, please. Uh, Blackpool. Course. Of course, yeah. One more. Oh, Christ. Uh... Don't know. Um, was he at Millwall? You want to go Millwall last chance, yeah? Final answer? I uh, have vague recollection of him being at Millwall. Are you sure it might be him? Last chance, yeah? Well, I can't think of anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, man. Oh, brilliant, well done. I couldn't have got any more. Well, the first one you, no one got, which was Bristol Rovers. Uh, I had that one up my out. sleeve. Uh, you got that one up your sleeve? Yeah, he played yeah. for them and he managed them, yeah. Yeah, so at the moment it's Dan 5 and 7. Pressure on now, last two. I think two if, if, if you ever get made redundant from Europe car, Chris, you can get a job on who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did I doubt you? Did I doubt you? You got, you got more tension than bloody Clarkson has. <laughs> Right then, guys. Next question. This is just another one of our very at the bar favourites. Just name the player. I'll give you the the clubs. So Villa, Man United, Blackburn, Birmingham, Sydney, Sunderland. Villa, Man United, Bosnic. Uh, no. Dwight York. Correct. On fire there, Ant. Unassailable lead, but we're just going on to the last question. Head-to-head, to finish off the, the quiz. In the last decade, Spurs have had 13 strikers. Can you name them? God. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I'm going with Ant first. So can you name me what? So just want one a piece sort of thing. <laughs> Harry Kane. Yeah. If I said no, then you know I'm bullshitting. <laughs> uh, Carlos Vincius. It's on loan. Yeah. Um, 
Crikey, I'm trying to think of a time before Harry Kane. And Defoe. Correct. Soldado. Correct. Um, 13 strikers. Berbatov, was he in this decade? I'm sorry, he wasn't, mate. Uh, I didn't think he was. Just just missed out. Right then, the, the people I got is Luis Saha, Abonyaho, Defoe, Crouch, Pavlichenko, Clint Dempsey, Gareth Bale, Harry Kane, Roberto Soldado, Vincent Janssen, that's the name from the past, um, Som, Lorente, and what Dan said, I can't say his name. <laughs> you can't say Adebayor either, you said a bungalow. Oh, yeah. He played <laughs> Villa. <laughs> Adebayor. So that ends up being an ant win, eight to six. I'm glad it didn't come down to that last question. <laughs> no, well done. That Holloway question, I think, sorted you out. Yeah, that was good. So that's now nine seven three. Am I right there, Dan? Yeah, that's right. Come on, Chris, pick up the pace a bit, mate. <laughs> you know me. I was. If it's a two-question quiz, I'll be fine. So I'll start fast. Uh, um, right then, so if you want to email us, then we're available on VAR at the bar 2020 at Gmail. Also available on Twitter at VAR at the bar number one. So if you want to comment on that, any lists or any of alternative lists, please give us an email or a tweet on that. Look forward to that or any suggestions of any new top 10 or top fives. And I think it's Dan next time, is it? That's right. So do you want to hear what we're going to be talking about next time? Of course, mate. That's why I subtly put you in. All right. I know we've done um, top fives a lot recently, but next time I'm going to open up with a little bit of a debate that I want you to look into. And that's the, the impact you think Brexit will have on recruitment at Premier League clubs. <laughs> I'm, I'm drying my hair for the next podcast. No, so I'm, I'm, I'm having to do, use long words and terminology that I probably wouldn't understand. <laughs> no, I like it. A bit different. Is that instead of the top five there, Dan? Yep, yep, that's right. So you, you don't have to go into loads of detail, but um, yeah, I, I was just reading something, an article the other day, and it got me thinking about it. And I think it will change the way that clubs recruit yeah. because there's um, – different laws in effect now so it's an yeah. interesting one thought we'd have a chat about it no 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 that's fine great stuff anything on your top 10 mate at the moment or are you uh, still is it still to be on order no, no i've got one lined up for you both so hold on to your seats i want to go for the top 10 club scandals oh okay well, yeah. 
This is uh, interesting. So this could be anywhere in the world, or are we keeping yep. it to the confines of the English leagues? Or no, you can go anywhere in the world with this. I just want to um, distinguish it that we're, I'm not looking at individual players. I'm looking at things that are more in- orientated around a group of players or a club. Okay, That's an interesting one. At least it gives us a bit of homework to do, mm. I guess, Anne. <laughs> There won't be a two-week gap in between this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. Fully enjoyed uh, your company tonight, guys. And um, like I say, if anyone wants to give them any any of our lists or comment anything whatsoever, please do so on our social media uh, functions. Uh, VAR at the bar one for Twitter or VAR at the bar 2020 at Gmail. For email. So that's uh, us done now. So that's me saying goodbye, Chris. See you later. Goodbye for me. Network. Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga notice you're not holding on to any tension here or a dance class get sexy with it daddy you do you and then start again be committed to this process choose a new body block each month get a new challenge each month have fun every day avoid burnout you're not going to quit on yourself today this is how you reach your goals you win there is nothing that we can't do if we work together sign up for your first body block today visit body.com for a free trial that's B-O-D-I dot com. Are you ready to get started?